Thanks, Nigel. I don't know about a good husband, but I am Stephen Dimitrio. I'm the youth minister at Bishop Harrington Church. Great to see you all here this evening. Um, and I wonder, if you were um, writing a song, what would your theme of your song be? What would you write your song about? Maybe you go down the, uh, the, the love song route. There are over a hundred million love songs out there. That, that's a lot of love. Right? And that's quite an easy topic to, to, to get our heads around. We, we know that. We like that. But for me, if I was writing a song, there were three topics I would avoid at all costs. Right? First one, money. Uh, like, uh, I'm, I'm British and from that generation where you don't talk about money, so I find that quite difficult. Money, not going near that. Second one, um, death. That's a bit morbid for me. Um, yeah, no thanks. Uh, number three, uh, Brexit. Like, like, no one wants to hear a Stephen Demetrio Brexit ballad. No thank you. Like, that, that's not good for anyone. Uh, right? <laughs> three topics I'd avoid. Money, death and Brexit. Uh, and our psalm tonight, Psalm 49, tackles two of those topics. It's not Brexit. (laughs) Death and money. It goes through uh, death and money. There's a brave person who wrote this psalm. Um, And actually, we've been going through these psalms of the sons of Korah over these past few weeks at uh, BH. um, And we've seen a sort of journey. I don't know if you've noticed this, but they they, they built like a journey. Psalm 42 to 49. So it starts off, Psalm 42 and 43, um, where the, 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 the cry is, Why, my soul, are you downcast within me? So it's quite down and low. And it builds up through Psalm 44, where we get this, this cry that life is hard, but there's glimpses of God's love shining through. And then Psalm 45, and we see the bridegroom, and it's royal wedding, and it's beautiful. And it gets more upbeat to Psalm 46, and we see that God is our fortress in the chaos. And Psalm 47, the shout of praise. And then last week we saw Psalm 48. Look at that holy city, uh, our heavenly home. Wow. This upward trajectory through these psalms. And so we expect big things from Psalm 49. We expect it to go up with a big, whoa, kind of crazy bang. And yet it's a song about money and death. What? And more than that, have a little look at verse 3. Um, verse 3. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. See, this psalm is a wisdom psalm. Um, it kind of sounds like it belongs in Proverbs. And so it's like, it's not about praise so much, it's about teaching us big truths. And so we're a bit like, okay, a, a wisdom psalm about money and death. Hmm. Hmm. But, mine is an absolute gem. Have a look at verses 1 and 2, because it's more than just a, a brilliant psalm. This is a sentence, verse 1. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in the world, both low and funny, rich and poor alike. The psalmist is calling everyone to come and listen. Because um, naturally, we don't want to hear about money and death. And so the psalmist is saying, come and listen to this. This is important. And he calls everyone, all peoples, rich and poor, low and high. No matter your age, your nationality, your gender, your social standing, this is is essential for you to understand. This is God's truth for all people of all the earth in all time. It's big stuff. And so, have a look at verse 4. The psalmist says, I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. Now, in the Old Testament, the harp is an instrument of joy and gladness. And again, that seems a little bit jarring with money and death. Money, death, joy. 
what? Um, but, but, but hopefully, we'll, we'll, as, as we go through, we're going to see that there is this beautiful note of joy that shines through this psalm, which is why it's placed at the top of that, that, that psalm 42 to 49 trajectory, which is why it's here. We'll take some work to get there, so be ready. Um, back when I was younger, my sister used to take me clothes shopping. Like, she was in charge of my outfits, right? So I'd go, go to the shops, and she'd tell me brutally, but honestly, and in a loving way, that, Stephen, you can't buy that. Right? That fluorescent orange shirt does not go with those green shorts. You can't buy either. Just don't go there. Like, she'd give me this brutal but loving advice. And now that rolls past my wife, Lizzie. That's her job now to tell me what not to wear. Um, but, but, but often we need that. We need a brutal and yet loving voice to tell us like hard truths which we're not going to see ourselves. Uh, and that's what Psalm 49 is. It's going to be quite brutal. But it's the loving voice of our Father who wants to save us from making big mistakes. So bear that in mind as we go through. It's written into these like three chunks. So verse 1 to 4, introduction. Verses 5 to 12, chunk 1. And verses 13 to 20, chunk 2. Um, and they end with these different choruses. So verse 12 is a chorus and verse 20 is a chorus. And the theme of this first chunk, this first verses 5 to 12, is don't trust wealth. Like really simply, the psalmist is saying don't trust wealth. Let's have a look at verse 5. He says... Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches, why should I fear? He's kind of like looking around at the world and seeing evil days around him. He's seeing people um, uh, um, getting richer and richer and oppressing others through their riches, boasting in their great wealth and using it as their, as their, their fortress and their security. He's looking around and it seems unfair. And yet he says, don't, he says, I'm not going to fear because he knows that wealth is not to be trusted. <laughs> and in fact, this kind of attitude of, uh, towards money is like epitomized in Proverbs 18 verse 11. It's on the screen there. Um, this is the sort of attitude that's going around in, in these days. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a fortress, too, a wall too high to scale. It's this idea that, that money makes you impregnable and, and strong and, and secure. And isn't that a bit like 2019, the world we live in? We don't say it, but we kind of act like it, that, that, that all problems can be solved by wealth and money. In fact, money offers us two big promises, right? The first one is, is, is that money offers us life now. It's there in verse 18 of our psalm. Now have a look. The rich, while they live, count themselves blessed. We think the richer you are, the more blessed you are. And it carries on. Um, verse 18, people praise you when you prosper. That's like us, isn't it? Well, we praise people who get promotions and get more money. Well, whoa. We think that wealth offers us life now. That, that the more money you have, the more stuff you can buy, the more holidays you can go on, the, the, the fancier your house is, the nicer your car is, and you can have more life now. And so also, the opposite of that is true. When we're not enjoying life, what do we do? Well, what do I do? Amazon Prime. Look for a little hat. That would cheer me up. We try and buy our way to happiness. It's sad, but it's true. We think that money offers us life now. The other promise money makes to us is it says security for the future. That's there in verse 6. Those who trust in their wealth. 
We think, I've got a good pension plan, nice little savings account, I'm set. Sorted. Security for the future. Money says life now and security for the future, but our psalmist is going to say to us, don't trust wealth. And actually, one of the reasons is because of the kind of society this creates, doesn't it? Like, we get envious of, of other people's life. We think, oh, look what they've got. If only I had what they had, my life would be so much better. Envy because of the life now. Or, or, or we get scared of the future. Oh, I haven't got enough in my, in my account. And what's going to happen? Money offers us life now and security for the future. And it kind of creates this envious and fearful culture. And wisdom is meant to be thought about and dwelt on. So take like a moment just to think for yourself. Where do you see these attitudes creeping into your life? Have a moment. Just have a think. Where do you see this kind of life now, security, future, envy, fear stuff creeping into your life? It's like we live in a um, monopoly kind of world. Hands up if you like monopoly. Let's see some hands. What a game. Apart from family arguments, what a game, right? Um, but in Monopoly, in Monopoly, uh, money and property are everything, right? If you've got a few choice sets, like uh, the oranges, little tip for you, oranges, greens, yellows, and you've got some money, you're there, you're set, you're sorted. Right. And so um, in our um, uh, game we used to play, um, we used to have something called sock money. Anyone do sock money? Where you go around the board and you put 200 in your sock. And you keep storing it up. Because if I've got sock money, I'm safe and secure. At least I annoy my friends so much. Sock money's coming out. Because um, um, in Monopoly, money can sort out all your issues, can't it? It keeps you alive in the game longer. It, 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 you can grow your empire through money in Monopoly. And, and, and. Um, you can pay off your debts. And it even gets you out of jail. Whoa. Money is like this, this powerful thing. And, and don't we kind of act like that too? Wealth kind of gives us this sense of invincibility. It kind of can blind us to our true state. Because life isn't like Monopoly. Look what our psalmist says in verse 7. No one can redeem the life of another. Or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. So they should live on forever and not see decay. Don't trust wealth. Because it cannot save you. Don't trust wealth. It cannot save you from the grave. That's his big point here. It's this massive truth bomb we need to hear as humans. Because we think that, 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 that we're good enough, we're strong enough, we're wealthy enough to save ourselves. And yet he's reminding us, verse 7, no one can redeem the life of another. Human beings can't save themselves. Each one of us owes God an infinite debt. That's a big debt. Because of our sin. The stuff we say, think and do that goes against God's, God's commands comes from our evil hearts. And because of that, that, that infinite debt and that sin, we are in big trouble, heading for death and decay. And verse 7 says, no one can pay it off. It's not like Monopoly Jail where you can, little 50 out you go. No, it doesn't happen here. Money doesn't impress God. Don't trust wealth. It cannot save us. 
And then he carries on um, with, with some more reasons not to trust wealth. Verse 10, he carries on. Um, For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and senseless also perish. So like everyone dies, uh, young, old, uh, rich, poor, wise, foolish, everyone dies. And look what happens. Verse 10, they leave their wealth to others. Their tombs are in their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, even though they had named lands after themselves. He's like, don't trust wealth. It doesn't last. And like, we know this, don't we? We know when you die, you take nothing with you. Charles Spurgeon said it brilliantly. He said, through the river of death, man must pass naked. Kind of a disturbing image, but, 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 but it works. He's right, isn't he? We take nothing with us. And this kind of uh, reminds me of the ancient Egyptians. Anyone did that in year three at primary school? That's like a classic. Um, but, but, but Tutankhamun, one of their ancient Egyptian pharaohs, was buried with like a whole load of stuff. And the list is spectacular. So in his, to- uh, in his tomb, he had 50 linen garments. That's 50 clothes, changes of clothes. For, for when he's dead? But also, um, they're like, like jewels and gems and stuff. And also, these are two massive fans. One made of ostrich feathers and ivory. Because it gets hot in the afterlife. Uh, but, 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 but it gets more bizarre. He had 130 walking sticks in his tomb. Made of like gold and like um, ebony and all these other... Like, like, why do you need 130 walking sticks? And there were three chariots in there. Because the buses aren't good enough like, beyond the grave. Uh, but, but, but the most bizarre thing, there were 11 boat paddles... Eleven, but no boat. I mean, why? And how do we know all this? Well, because Psalm 49 verse 10 is, is, is true. All can see that the wise die, foolish and senses also perish, leaving their wealth to others. All of it was left behind in that tomb. None of it lasted. It's all here. He's not using those boat puddles now, is he? Don't trust wealth. It doesn't last. And yet... Yes, we're not like Tutankhamun and thinking stuff goes with us beyond the grave, but yet we still hoard money and wealth, craving it, thinking it gives us life now and security for the future. But don't trust wealth. It doesn't last. And, and the psalm kind of rises to a crescendo in verse 12. Uh, this is the chorus of the first chunk. Uh, he says, people, despite their wealth, do not endure. They're like the beasts that perish. Humans die. Uh, and in fact, verse 12 could be translated, people, despite their wealth, have no abode, have no home. <laughs> Which is quite apt, isn't it? Because the wealthy think, uh, spend money on these princely mansions in verse 14, and these beautiful dressed tombs, yet they have no eternal dwelling place. They have no home beyond the grave. <laughs> Don't trust wealth. It doesn't deliver on its promises. Oh. See, wealth offers us life now and security for the future, but what a joke, right? Life now. I mean, wealth can't solve broken relationships. Wealth, it can't guarantee us happiness in this life or good health. Wealth, it doesn't give us a life free from anxiety. In some ways, it increases anxiety even more. Wealth doesn't, doesn't give us life now and security for the future. No, again, it doesn't work. It doesn't keep us safe. It doesn't change the eternal destiny of our soul. Don't trust wealth. 
Henry Smith, a Puritan, uh, said this, Riches are like painted grapes, which look as though they would satisfy a man, but do not slake his hunger or quench his thirst. What a word, slake. But, 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 but he's right. And I think we know this deep down. I think we know deep down that money doesn't satisfy us and that money will not solve all our problems. But do we live like that? Do we catch ourselves thinking, oh, if only I had a bit more? then this wouldn't be an issue. Do we daydream about, if I had that inheritance, man, what? so much I could do with that. The psalmist is shouting at us, don't trust wealth. It can't save you from the grave. It doesn't last. It, it, it deceives you. Just don't trust it. Why would you? And then he continues in verse 13, much the same vein. Um, verse 13, this death is the fate of those who trust themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd. Death is personified as a shepherd there. And notice death isn't an intruder or an enemy or an outsider. He's a shepherd. This is shocking for us. Psalmist is saying that those who are trusting themselves, trusting their riches, have invited death to shepherd their soul to slaughter. Don't trust wealth because it can seriously hurt and damage us. It's deadly. And right now, I'm not exactly hearing those harps ringing out. Bring, are you? Like it's quite gloomy, quite bleak. Everyone dies. Wealth doesn't work. Until we reach verse 15. The mountaintop verse of hope in this psalm. Here we go, verse 15. But God. In youth group, we have an expression, biblical buts are beautiful. Um, and this is one that's true. Like, like when you see a but in the Bible, you look at it and think, something's happening here. So look at it again, verse 15. But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. There's that harp. That's what we're waiting for. Because the psalmist is saying, trust in God because he can save you. Trust in God because he can save you. And look at the trust this psalmist has. He says, oh, God will redeem me. And then later on, he will surely take me to himself. He knows that God has the power to take him through the grave and into life. He knows that God can save him. He doesn't know how. That's not clear to him yet. But he knows that God can. He's putting his trust in God. Such amazing confidence. And don't we have even more reason to be confident in God? I mean, we put our New Testament glasses on and suddenly we can see clearly what the psalmist saw through frosted glass. We know how this works. So um, right, we, we owe God an infinite debt that we can't pay off ever on our own. We're in big trouble. We can't save ourselves. So what does God do? Verse 15, he redeems us from the realm of the dead. And how? Jesus. God pays the ransom for us. Mark 10, verse 45. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
it would take something of infinite value to pay off an infinite debt. And so what does God do? He gives the most precious thing he has. His very dear and only son. And Jesus dies on the cross. And as he dies on that cross, through his blood, he pays off that debt. So that all who trust in him, he dies so we can have life. And not only that, but he dies to be our shepherd, to take us through to life. Trust in God. Because he can save us. And so, do you trust God? Because if you do, he is your good shepherd who, who takes you through the valley of the shadow of death, through the grave and into life. And into that amazing heavenly city we saw last week with Matt from Psalm 48. That's our new home. He buys that new home for us through his death. Oh, do you trust that God? Trust in God because he can save us. Uh, and if you don't trust in Jesus, well, uh, death is your shepherd who takes you through the grave and into unimaginable darkness called hell. There's only two options. Who's shepherding your soul? Trust in God because he can save us. And so the psalmist continues, verse 16, uh, kind of the same way he started. He says, do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases. They will take nothing with them when they die. Their splendor won't descend with them. Even though while they live, they count themselves blessed. And people praise you when you prosper. They will join those who have gone before them who will never again see the light of life. Our psalmist shows us where true value lies. It's in God. And so we have no need to be envious of those who have more than us in this earth. No, we don't. We have no need to be fearful of the future either because our future is secure and safe instead. Well, we should pity those who are trusting themselves and trusting wealth. Because we know their eventual fate, verse 19. They will join those who have gone before them. We should pity them and tell them about true riches and true worth in the cross. In fact, Psalm um, Proverbs 18, the one we looked at earlier, kind of says it really well. It has these two contrasting images. So Psalm, uh, Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And in verse 11, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. You see a difference there? One's safe and secure. One's imaginary safety and security. See, trust in God because he always delivers. Where wealth fails, he delivers. He gives us real life now. The best life ever as part of his family. And he gives us security for the future. An entrance to that brand new heavenly city to be home and secure with him, safe forever. Trust in God because he won't let you down. And so, we kind of need to change our thinking, I think, here in Hogue in 2019. Um, Here we go. This, this here is my, my rope. Well, actually, it's the church's rope. I shouldn't say it's mine. Uh, and I imagine this rope stretched on for eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and kept on going. All right, forever and ever and ever. And this little bit here, this, this orange and blue um, bit here, this is our life right now. Do, do you see how short it is? <laughs> and yet, we invest so much into this little bit here, don't we? 
We invest so much into our houses and our cars and our jobs and our life here. And in fact, um, society tells our young people, KO Feast, you guys, it tells you um, it's to get good grades at school so you can get a good job. Or get into a good, good university so you can get a good job and have a nice, comfortable life in a nice house with a nice car. Like, please dream bigger for yourselves. Please dream much bigger for yourselves and parents. Dream bigger for your kids. Because that stuff is this bit of the rope. That's not going to last. Really, a job? (laughs) A a nice house? Is that the best we can dream for our young people? Uh, And for ourselves? (laughs) See, 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 here's my dream for KO young people and feast young people and rooted young people. (laughs) My dream is that you'd be cherishing Jesus all your life. And growing in godliness because that stuff lasts for eternity and impacts eternity. So, so like, what are your dreams? And what are your dreams for your children and grandchildren and nephews and nieces? And do they know that, that is your, those are your dreams for them? See, don't trust wealth, trust in God, because uh, he can save. And what he gives us lasts into eternity. Uh, Tim Keller said, only God can give us things of value that death cannot touch, but only enhance. Oh, what an amazing quote, right? Things of value that death cannot touch, but only enhance. So invest in those things, not only in wealth and riches, but, but invest in godly character, uh, in the fruit of the spirit, in our relationship with God. Spend time with that stuff, because that... It's beautiful and vital and life-changing and eternity-changing too. Don't trust wealth, trust in God. Um, with wisdom stuff, it's good to spend time thinking about it and applying it to ourselves. So these are going to be on the board for a little bit. I'll read them through. I'm going to spend a few moments just thinking it through. Then we'll come back to the psalm for a little bit and I'll hand back to Lizzie. But have a think for yourself about these questions. I'll read them slowly. Do I understand that money will never satisfy, but I'll only ever want more? Are riches deceiving me into thinking that I'm safe and secure? Is wisdom and godly character more valuable to me than money? And do I really believe wealth is worthless when I stand before God? Have a think about those questions. And maybe pray off the, out, off the back of that if you need to. Have a look at verse 20, how our psalmist ends with this chorus. And notice the change from verse 12. So verse 20 says, People who have wealth but lack understanding are like the beasts that perish. He's kind of saying there that there's a way to escape being a beast that perishes. And that's having understanding. And the understanding is getting what this psalm is teaching. That we don't trust wealth because it can't do anything it promises. But we trust in God because he can save. And he did save through his son. The son, because um, it will take something of infinite value to pay off that infinite debt. And so God sent his son, Jesus. Trust in him. 
because he truly can save. Let's pray. Father God, we look at our own hearts and we see this attitude of trusting wealth. Maybe not, we don't speak about it, but we kind of live like that and think like that sometimes. Please change our thinking, show us the true value of that stuff and show us the true value of knowing and trusting and growing in love for your son Jesus. Lord, help us to think on this stuff through this week and to be changed. Amen.